0: Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Peter Pan and Wendy. Joining me today, he's in possession of a small, possibly dangerous bear. It's Disney and animation correspondent Joe Morgan. Joe, how's it going?
1: Going well, going well. Happy
0: to be here. Yeah, and also joining me, just another boy who doesn't want to grow up. It's Elijah Howard. Elijah, thanks for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Peter Pan and Wendy is the newest uh, live action Disney uh, remake movie. It is directed by David Lowery. It is kind of second collaboration with Disney on these movies. He uh, also, uh, you know, it wrote the, uh, did he also write Peace, Dragon, Elijah, or did he just directed? I can't remember. Um,
2: he, he, both of them were uh, co-written with uh, Toby Halbrooks.
0: Ah, good for him. But yeah, so uh, it was kind of his follow up in the Disney oeuvre to uh, 2016's Peach Dragon, which was a a really great ad- a really great adaptation that uh i think a lot of people uh re- really really respected and then have not respected many of these movies since then <laughs> um but, uh, P- peter in peter pan and Wendy's obviously its own uh spin on the uh on the on the jm barry story uh which obviously had plenty of different you know adaptations because it's in the public domain right <laughs> and this one you know as you know, I guess a lot of these stories do picks up in uh, in London where uh, Wendy Darling is at home with her family, her parents George and Mary, played uh, by two notably not British actors, which I thought was funny, is Alan Tudyk and Molly Parker. Uh, they, 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 she is spending like her last night at home before she's about to go off to boarding school. She bemoans to her mom that she doesn't want to grow up. Uh Peter Pan, who is really just like a kind of a folk hero to her and her brothers who have read stories about him, shows up at her house and says, "Hey, I will take you away. You don't have to grow up." we will go to Neverland where they are, where Peter Pan and, uh, and all, of, well, they, they, he's full. First, they fly around in, in Neverland with uh, Peter and her brother, Wendy flies around in Neverland with Peter and her brothers. They get shot down by Captain Hook. And then Wendy, all of a sudden encounters the lost boys after she gets separated from the rest of them. And, uh, let's just say that kicks off a bunch of you know shenanigans where uh, Captain Hook and his uh, his all of his fellow pirates are trying to track these people down. Except there's a lot more to Captain Hook's relationship with Peter than meets the eye, which I think is par- some of the more interesting stuff. In this movie, uh, Elijah, I'm going to start with you because I've been talking about these movies with Joe for over six years now, dating back to uh, dating back to Beauty and the Beast 2017's Beauty and the Beast. So we've talked about almost every one of these except for Dumbo for some reason. Josh didn't listen to that podcast, but Joe and I've done all of these, so I kind of know Joe, where Joe is at on this on this entire uh, ongoing project by Disney just to excavate every other possible old movie they can and to put it into some other format. I'm curious, Elijah, I don't even know if you've seen all of these other movies and how you feel about them. Is is this something where you are just uh, pretty down on this whole entire uh, effort that Disney has been making over the years and you're just like, all right, well, I'm going to go see it because I love David Lowry. Or do you think this is actually, do you think they've had, some success in these other movies and you're like oh well maybe this one will maybe, maybe this one will just be even better than all the rest because it is my guy david lowry because i know you're a big david lowry fan You've
2: yeah i mean obviously i think like a lot of people i've been uh, maybe not a lot of people i don't know if that's a minority opinion but i've i've been pretty down on the live action remakes um i've felt- I, I don't I, I don't feel like that's the minority opinion yet i know a lot of these made a lot of money still you know
0: so it's who knows
2: Right. I mean, yeah, the uh, audience successes, critical failures. But mm-hmm. the the fact of the matter is, I was not um, I, over the last several years have not been particularly pleased with them. You've um,
0: seen most of them, though?
2: I've seen most of yeah. them with a few minor exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for the most part, and it's what what's always been I mean, that's not a tangent necessarily. But like what's always been interesting to me, at least, is just how they have managed to fail in so many different ways. I mean, the the failure of <laughs> something like the 2019 Lion King, right, is a very different kind of failure than Mulan, in my opinion. They're, they're, they're both movies that have fatal flaws, and they're not – it's like they're Disney – it's like the – the opposite, the, the bizarro world golden age for Disney. Instead of finding new ways for success, they're finding new ways for failure, mm. which um is uh, maybe a disappointing outlook, but uh, for me, that's what it's been. And when we did The Green Knight, I know that we talked about Peach Dragon at the time because it was one of the reasons that going into The Green Knight, I was excited. Mm. Because I knew that there was a fantasy sensibility to David Lowry that has a kind of wonder to it and that I was, I knew, you know, if he could bring that to the Green Knight and kind of create this adult storybook fantasy, um, that it would be successful. And and in the case of the Green Knight, it turned out like that. And I still stick with, in my opinion, that Peach Dragon is the, the best of these live action remakes that they've done. And it's in a way kind of sad that it was, like eight or nine years however long ago it was since then eight years ago
0: yeah, yeah almost yeah
2: and and um and you know that uh whatever formula kind of worked there they decided not to go back to the well for for the most part with these films but going into with all that in mind going into Peter Pan I was uh apprehensive I'll be honest I mean D- David Lowry's my guy You know, no, no question there. But the, the conditions under which everything kind of came together for this had me a little bit skeptical. Um, it just sort of appeared out of nowhere. I know they talked about it at D twenty three. I don't know, two years ago or something. But there was like almost nothing about it, and then all of a sudden, it's it's about to come out. It's going to be on Disney Plus only. Uh, you know it, it didn't the the factors were not lining up in my opinion for it to be a, a success and then when you pair that with that Peter Pan has been uh, a folly for western western screenwriters for decades mm. um, even as recently as Ben Zeitlin who mm-hmm. I I don't know. We didn't talk about Wendy on this. On I know. I I
0: actually never. I never even saw it.
2: But uh, Wendy was very mid. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very average. Um, and I and Ben Zeitlin's a director who I have a lot of respect for, and I was so I was concerned that there was that those same pitfalls were going to be something that even that even my guy David Lowery couldn't necessarily avoid. So. I don't know. I was I, I was I was definitely apprehensive, which is not a, a usual condition for seeing a David Lowry film. But. Well, I know oh,
0: I, I know you ended up I know you ended up enjoying it, though. So, like, wh- what did what did he really get right that you think kind of set it apart from other adaptations?
2: I think what he what he got right was being into the thematic material uh, very, very deeply Um, And not shying away from how kind of dark Peter Pan can be. Um, And that's not to say that it's gritty or cynical or anything like that. In fact, quite the opposite. But it, it doesn't, I think, a problem that a lot of, did I say Green Knight, Jesus, Peter Pan? (laughs) <laughs> uh a lot of a lot of problems that uh that other Peter Pan adaptations run into. I should close this green night tab, otherwise I'm gonna keep saying that. <laughs> the the problem that a lot of Peter Pan adaptations run into is that they don't know how to handle the thematic material. And so either it becomes one note or it gets dragged in a weird direction. Um I I personally felt that the way that the thematic material was handled was kind of the the backbone of this film. This is what what helped it to succeed was just being direct with the thematic material um and handling it in a way that felt very um mature but not like adult. It felt mm. like it it felt like the kind of film that I would like to show my kids because it doesn't condescend. It just the thematic material out there and the you know it's it's there for people to pick up and to interact with the way that they feel they can so
0: that's interesting that you uh you picked up on that point specifically because i I feel like that's something joe and i talk a lot about with the disney and animated stuff is just like how they strike that balance between appealing to adults and appealing to youngsters and it's i i think it's interesting you think it, it that that was one area it really excelled um joe i've never talked with you about peter pan before as many disney things as we have discussed it's just one that's just never really come up till now i'm curious uh because you know i went into this probably pretty differently than it sounds like elijah did and i don't know how much of the how much other peter pan stuff you've seen but joe besides like the original movie probably more than me because i've literally like and and also like i was pretty ignorant like going into pinocchio and we did that and then i just went on like a pinocchio bender and <laughs> before we, we did that podcast with josh and i was just like almost sick of the story and it made me probably like not even enjoy del toro's as much as i should have though i still really like that movie and here i just kind of went in blind because i'm too busy to have done any more homework and i literally only watched peter pan and wendy and before that, I probably literally only watched the 1953 movie and like probably didn't watch that since I was a little kid. So I went into this kind of blind. So I'm wondering, Joe, like, what's your relationship with the other adaptations and how did that leave you like, uh, whether like either feeling apprehensive or excited about the new one? And how, how, what do you think David Lowry ultimately, how do you think David Lowry ultimately did?
1: Yeah. So the original Disney Peter Pan, um, I probably don't have a more love-hate relationship with any Disney movie than that really? one specifically. Mm-hmm. I think it's a thing where there's just things about it that are absolutely iconic. Like you look at the artwork of Mary Blair and that movie specifically is hugely influential and huge in the history of Disney of uh, the Walt Disney Company. You look at the character animation on Captain Hook, which is one of the finest things Disney's ever done. Hmm. And You Can Fly is one of the iconic top 10 Disney songs. And that whole sequence of flying through London is spectacular, beautifully done. Hmm. That movie is also horribly racist and horribly misogynist. (laughs) And upon rewatch, I was just like, even though I knew the stuff was coming, it didn't make it any less cringe while watching it. And um, oh, and also shout out to Nana, who's one of the best Disney dogs, like bar <laughs> um, So I kind of looked at this as an opportunity because yeah. uh, this adaptation as, as an opportunity, A, because I love the Pete's Dragon adaptation that David Lowry did. I thought it took what was honestly a pretty mediocre film and like was an adaptation that just absolutely like made the story like worth telling and really added something to the Disney brand, something that these live-action remakes haven't really done. They've more of just been cashing in on the name rather than actually like making groundbreaking movies. So with that in mind, I came into this actually pretty excited. Unfortunately, the Disney Plus release, it made me a little worried because um, – They've you know, they put some other stuff on Disney Plus we like, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just – I I kind of – I saw the way they – do Pinocchio on there with even with oh, Tom yeah. in the movie, and so I got a little little nervous about it. And but ultimately, like I really like what David did with this. Like I don't think it quite reaches the Pete's Dragon Heights, but you know, like Elijah was talking about a bit. I really, um, to borrow like a tired social media phrase, I really think David Lowry understood the assignment on this one. Like he was really <laughs> he delved into. The very thematic thing that makes Peter Pan work as a story, as made Peter Pan works as a story for years and years and years, and like Pete's Dragon, like it deals like with very real things, very real loss. Like I-, I rewatched Pete's Dragon a couple weeks ago, and that movie begins with a horrible automobile accident where you know Pete's parents die, and you know it just. I think he is such a deft hand at like making films for family audiences without. Sugar coating or candy coating, or, you know, condescending to kids or anything like that. And so, um, I actually really enjoyed this. Um, I thought that they paid homage to the 53 film without basically making it glorified cosplay, like some of these live action remakes have been, while also kind of telling its own story. And, you know, and other than like one or two cringy, like we're reversing the bad gender politics of the original. Like I, I really thought that he did a fine job with this, and I, I, enjoyed watching it.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I, I was wondering as I was watching because, like, I think Peach Dragon is probably my favorite of them all too. But I'd never seen the original Peach Dragon when I saw that one. And I'm wondering, like, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, like, well, is it? Am I just being like, you know, is it? Is it? Is it as simple as me just like enjoying the ones that I'm like the least familiar with the most? Uh, in, <laughs> in some ways because like I, but like, but then I realized, like I don't know if I've really especially enjoyed like I any of them all that much i mean like i actually thought oh i i remember actually thinking aladdin had some redeeming stuff but it just was not nowhere near as good as it could have been um mm-hmm. I, I i just look back because i i've forgotten we actually did do a podcast on mulan but i only give it two stars and like the movie honestly is really forgettable for me so i don't i i don't know And uh, but it, it, but that was when i wasn't familiar with so there's really actually no rhyme or reason to it i just think peach dragon is like legitimately the best out of all of them like, where and it's not a matter of me just like dissecting the stories harder when i know them the most that being said i did know lion king the most and that was like the most egregious in my opinion as far as like not having anything that new or interesting to say mm-hmm. um and i and, and so here i'm like watching it. i'm like man did i just forget this whole thing about like like uh, correct me if i'm wrong because I, I went back and i tried to read i didn't have time to watch the thing about like captain hook and peter pan being childhood friends is that
1: a creation for this one To be fair, the the only Peter Pan movie that I really Mm -hmm. know very well is the Disney original Disney one. Like I I've I've seen Hook, but I can't remember it very well. There have been other so like I I don't
0: uh, well so there's not a similar revelation at least in that one. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no,
1: you're right. So I was like I was
0: like wow that's a really cool story choice, and Mm I I really appreciate it. I'm like well that I don't remember that, but I haven't watched this movie in probably over I haven't watched fifty the fifty three one in like probably over twenty years so. I don't know if I want to give him like too much credit, but then like I, I went back and I saw him and I was like, oh wow, that's like a really cool story choice. I'm glad he had the latitude to make it. And I thought it really like helped a lot of the movie click in the place for me because I don't know if it was necessarily like I was blown away by as much of it as I wanted to be, even if there were some really great sequences in this movie. But like I think the thing that like impressed me the most was like, oh, like Jude Law like really understood his assignment as well, specifically. Mm-hmm. And I mean I could. I could I mean I thought I thought uh, ever Anderson was like really good as Wendy and I could but I could give or take the performance by it's, I think it's Alex Milani as Peter and not not that it was not that it was bad it just like didn't do as much for me as like those other two performances uh, and I just like I was like just kind of like really really impressed with Jude Law where it's like when someone that's like you know that well-respected an actor is like I'm gonna go like in theory, kind of ham it up in this movie. I was, like, actually impressed that he, like, actually showed up and, like, probably really bought into David Lowry's vision for, like, this version of Hook. And that, like, really, really engaged me in the... in the rest of the story um i'm, I'm curious elijah like were there were, were there as someone that it seems like actually d- it does is, is fairly well read on this on the, these other adaptations uh were there any like real like choices that uh, lowry did with the story aside from the aside from what i just mentioned about like this uh like H- hook's backstory and connection to peter that you actually thought like really served this movie well
2: yeah so uh first off the relationship between Peter and Hook is not in Barry's original play. Wow, so that's uh, totally new novel. Yeah, it was yeah. a new, a new adaptation, nice. a new you know choice for the adaptation, uh, and I think it works really well. And um, you know, I'll I'll preface my answer to this question by saying that honestly, the only you know the main issues that I had with the film were the choices that Lowry didn't make.
1: And mm.
2: and I, at least what I you know felt at the time of watching and would probably still feel is that it was the choices that he couldn't make because I have to imagine your hands are tied to some degree when you're when you're making a movie like this. Um, you have to answer
0: to someone when you're working for Disney, unfortunately.
2: Exactly. I mean, you're probably it's
0: not, not the same. Not the same as having like a a fifteen million dollar budget for May twenty-four.
2: <laughs> right. It, it, yeah. And and the kind of a blank check to just sort of do whatever you want um but i would say even you know that there's what i think the what i think the choice about the relationship uh between hook and peter says about a lot of the choices big and small that lowry made throughout the film is choices that add flesh and what i mean by that is that the the original play by Barry is deep on thematic material, but very light on, on, on depth or context. Um, A lot of it just is things that you get because they are sort of elemental to storytelling. Um, And, and Barry we've, we've done very effectively in telling the story originally, but in, for example, in the original play, Captain Hook is basically just like an Eton College, Oxford educated bastard. Like he's <laughs> not a, um, he, There's really no character to him. He's a caricature. He is mm. a he's a caricature of an idea of a person. Um, and it works in the play, and it worked for a British audience in 1904 because the concept of a and proper, Oxford-educated, um, upper crust person being terribly unhappy with his life
0: <laughs> was
2: extremely believable. Sure, um, and and that's not to say that nowadays that uh you know that that image doesn't still necessarily make sense, but t- today we have a much more developed and complicated uh relationship with how you know people's mental uh condition works um than we did a hundred plus years ago when mm-hmm. when Barry wrote the play, right um so you know, Captain Hook is a character that, that is, in my opinion, is kind of begging for a deeper interpretation. And I think this movie did a really good job of not making him, you know, not they could have just made this movie hook. And that's not to say like the 90s hook, but I mean, they could have made this into the Peter Pan Maleficent. Um, And I do, mm. I, it's not that I don't like Maleficent films. I do think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in those movies. But I think we are very played out on the let's make a like a deep dive on the villain movie. Hmm. I think that has been done to death. So the the decision on Lowry's part to take these two characters who are admittedly kind of cardboard cutouts in the original and just give them something. Just give them just basically like it'd be like take the accord the paper cutout and just accordion it into, you know, give them a little bit more depth. Um that was, I think, the the best overall decision, and I think it works for Hook and uh, and Peter. I think it works phenomenally well. I think my favorite scene in the entire movie was it's a it, very quick blink if you miss it, but beautiful thematic emotional moment when Wendy like sees her whole life play out before her in the climax, right? That to me, I was like, oh, that's David Lowry right there. (laughs) Um, And it was those kind of decisions. And there weren't many, but there were enough that I felt like just adding depth, just adding texture um, was, if that was all he could do, then that's all he could do. And that worked. And and that was, I think, the biggest success for me.
0: Yeah. Joe, what was the biggest, uh, what worked for you most about the story aside from it? Like, you know, not being like, you know, as... uh... Uh, uh, racist and misogynist as the as
1: the other as the other version of the story you'd seen before. Um, I like how they, you know, Peter is such a hero in many of the adaptations, mm-hmm. and I like how they gave him like this. I mean, tying to the Hook story, like Peter's the one who like held it against Hook for so long, you know, mm-hmm. that he left, cut off his hand, like you know, there's that whole angle where Peter doesn't actually understand Tinkerbell and hasn't really tried to and seems to be almost like sort of like a friendly tyrant for the lost boys in this movie and I thought that was a really interesting angle they took with the character and ultimately like Peter has that one line where he's he says something to the effect of like I'm Peter Pan and I never change ever because nobody changes in Neverland or whatever I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing but um, I think ultimately they gave him something to do in the movie, uh, like they gave his character somewhere to go, and um, I think it would have been very easy for them just to make uh, Peter your kind of uh, cardboard cutout like hero in this one, you know, without um, kind of giving him anything to play off of. So um, I really yeah, enjoyed he, that element of it as well. Yeah, he
0: was almost just about about just as brief when like Wendy tries to like interrogate him about his past, and mm-hmm. he just like he he just won't go there and won't talk about it all, and I guess one thing I had memories of from the first one that like I thought was an interesting choice here. And I thought there were some, like, I thought there were some like, really, really impressive visual moments in how he David already Recreated Neverland. But like at the same time, like there's not that the, you don't, there's not a lot of them having that much fun. I feel mm-hmm. like I remember a little bit more of like them, like kind of enjoying Neverland before, like, you know, you got more into the conflict of the movie in the first one. Maybe I'm totally misremembering that, but it's like, here, it's like, it's really exhilarating when they get to the fly. And then, like, yeah. there's nothing as fun as that the rest of the movie, or at least where you see them having fun. Even if we might have fun in certain sequences as a moviegoer, that's, like, it's, like, 90 seconds to them, like, flying through Big Ben, which is cool, and mm-hmm. then flying into Neverland. And, like, then that's pretty much it. At The rest of the movie, like, there's always, like, some level of duress surrounding everything. And <laughs> a lot of it doesn't – and I, I've, I've, there, there are times where, like, like – I don't know. I'm not maybe as like cynical as some people have been like when they've seen especially in talking about the like the the little Mermaid previews and overall like the the, the visuals of some of the stuff like I liked some of it visually but at the same time other parts of it just didn't necessarily look as like I don't know, colorful and fun as I would have thought. I guess I in my head I had like a different version of Peter who again probably not as like ob- obviously like I from what I've read understood and like reading and going back apparently Peter is not like it, it I don't know how much of the misogyny is coming from him directly, but from what I understand, he's like super nice to Wendy and a lot in a lot of the um original, correct? Yeah, and I so I was like, but yeah, no, I so I guess I kind of thought like as I I guess I, I thought it interesting that like as I kind of knew like what Peter's deal was there, it's like okay, maybe he's not going to be like as nasty, but like he's just like he, he he is not super super like he's not friendly and he's not like creating like the most inviting atmosphere, like you said, in some ways he. I, I think, what was the term you used? You said a uh, friendly tyrant to the friendly Lost Boys? Tyrant, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if he's like all that friendly. He's like friendly a little bit when he's like inviting Wendy and her brothers into the world. But like, it's not like he's like creating like a fun playground atmosphere. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, it, it just felt notable to me where like you, you're kind of expecting something like a little more, at least a little more fun to like draw you into the world. And it's like, it, it almost sent like a larger message to me about like the whole, you know, growing up and what that means Uh, part of it where it's like, Hey, maybe like, this, it almost set that I, I got like a vibe earlier where it's like this is not a good thing these kids not growing up is a good thing and they need to they need to grow up or they don't they don't need to have such a myopic view of things and like that was where like i kind of took it from the beginning i was like wow this seems like it's like setting a more serious tone with this version of peter pan that is like like one like this flawed and not even creating that fun of a place that seems like i want to hang out I, I i don't know if that if, if my read on that was corrective and everything that was going in but like i don't know elijah did it seem like it was like a more dour hang for you for parts of the time in neverland than you expected
2: uh yeah because i think i expected maybe something closer to the sort of uh you know sunshine and flowers yeah. perception of neverland from mm-hmm. like the 1950s film um which is to say not really on deal with what i think neverland was sort of originally intended to be and Mm. it's always hard you know when there's a piece of you know when you're talking about adaptations on top of adaptations of a piece of media that's 100 years old and you know jm barry wrote a decent amount but it's not like he there wasn't like there's not a lot of like historiography about his feelings about you know (laughs) Um, about Peter Pan, there's enough that they could make, you know, Finding Neverland, but there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't, um, you know, there's not like lengthy writing about the, the thematic material, but I personally feel like it was, it's a closer grab to the original, um, the original play. And so from, you know, from my perspective, I kind of interpreted the design and the visualization of Neverland it's sort of like a sepia picture which is is inviting and it, there's a sense of adventure but there's also this veil this kind of there is something untouchable about it um and something almost dangerous the idea that if you get lost there you you may not be able to find your way back to the real world mm. um and i couldn't i couldn't help but think of you know in terms of the visual design there's a there's a A website that's been really internet popular for the last like i don't know 10 years now or something called um the the dictionary of obscure sorrows Hmm. which is the project of this guy who i forget what his name is but basically like he um it's this like one dude who's basically been like writing uh this dictionary of terms for feelings (laughs) That don't have a name, Ugh. um, and they're all kind of you know these neologisms. But the one one of the ones that's more uh, popular is uh, "anamoya," hmm. This is a term that he came up with, which he uh, defines as nostalgia for a time or place one has never known. Hmm. And you know the common physical explanation of that, right, is like looking at old sepia pictures in museums or seeing early 1900s motion picture footage of factory workers leaving their job or whatever just something really innocuous and the feeling of being like it would be amazing to be there but knowing that you can't and that you can't ever really know anything about that place Mm. um beyond what you see and to me, I thought that this adaptation of Peter Pan and its portrayal of Neverland was like a, a perfect visualization of that idea that they get sucked into the magic of this place that's trapped in time. But the longer that Wendy and her brother stay there, the more they see that there is that there's complexity and that there's things that they can never understand about this place because time has never moved on from there. Mm that it's a moment frozen in time and so i i felt like the visuals while maybe not quite as you know fireworks as the <laughs> as the original yeah. film um they i felt like they they fit that understanding pretty well
0: no yeah you explained it better than i could have it was just like I, as i was watching i was like this feels like the drab shit that people complain about all the time, but like it's not bothering me as I'm watching it. Like I feel, I felt like it served the story in a certain way. Joe, were you expecting something more colorful, or and or, or in, in, in even if so, did you uh, kind of like the way they went with this color
1: palette? Um, yeah, I did. You know, I, I I like. I I guess it's, you know, I mean perhaps deserved, but I think it's become almost popular to sort of dunk on the way these things look because, you know, especially after the Lion King, which was just. The realism was just so uninspiring. I think I think it's, you know, people are just almost like a little too eager to pile on to these things. But like, I, I appreciate what they did with this, because there's a there's a version of this where they kind of go in the Alice in Wonderland Maleficent direction, where they kind of really do like a full cgi fest with neverland mm. and stuff and we do get that one shot with the mermaids but i appreciated like the restraint that we got it and then we moved on right mm. like we didn't kind of you know I, I, was, I was i was like
0: if you guys focus too much on that stuff people are going to compare it too much to avatar you got to like just back <laughs> away right now
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so ultimately i i was happy with it of course when they when they were first flying up i was like oh like they're they're headed to Oc- they're headed to octo from the last jedi right <laughs> 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 yeah ultimately i um yeah i really like what elijah said about it all and um yeah i i I didn't think it was i don't you know i mean when those first images were released i felt like the online chatter was just like this movie's so dark like what is it so dark and then like as i watched it like i nothing fell out of place or too dark in my opinion at least so
0: yeah. Well, Joe, well, I, 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 I kind of uh, dwelled on Jude law a little bit, but were there, were there any, were there any of the other, were there any performances, whether it be that one or any of the others that you were particularly, uh, impressed with and, uh, like the direction they took the characters in,
1: you know, um, I think Jude law was a standout for me. Not that anybody that was necessarily bad per se. I just, you know, I thought, you know, I thought Wendy did a nice job. I forget the ever the, Anderson. The, yes. Thank you. Um, but, uh, no one stood out to me too much, but I don't know if necessarily there was um there were opportunities for people to shine like a lot. Cause, you know, it was a you know, it was a relatively quick runtime for these things <laughs> coming in at hour forty six. I will say like, um I kinda wish Peter at times could have been allowed to have a little more fun, you know. I feel like sometimes like even though with That's what I was saying, like
0: I, I was kind yeah. of expecting that, but like he was yeah. pretty pretty and serious. Then,
1: and then the other thing too is um Smee is such a delightful character in the I forgot to, and, yeah, for not the
0: shadow Jim Gaffigan.
1: Yeah, and like I didn't even realize it was Jim Gaffigan until I IMDB'd. Me the new Gaffigan. <laughs> and I I kind of I kind of wish they would have let him play a little bit more too, given his whole nature. Because they do give him some funny lines, but um, you know, they're they're not quite um and like I'm not faulting any particular person here. I just wonder if like they could have had a little more fun with some of the things you know they said um because there are moments in the line i was like oh like that's that's like kind of a funny well-written line but it didn't quite hit me the way that i wanted it to or needed it to in those moments yeah i got you
0: i mean uh elijah i um i i i'm often like I probably spend too much time on it. Oftentimes, when we have episode, when we have movies where, like involve kids, and I dwell on the kid actors because it always stands out to me when like any of them are particularly bad. And even if I like was criticizing uh uh the it's uh, Alex Maloney's performance a little bit, I, I didn't necessarily think it was bad. And I like I thought Ever Anderson is like really good. What did you think about like just how how Lowry did in like casting this? Because yeah, I guess he pr- really probably hadn't had to deal with kid actors since doing Peach Dragon.
2: Yeah, he. I mean, and and right, the difference. 2 with peach dragon is like it's a much tighter uh cast of of children that's mm-hmm. it's you you really only have Oaks Fegley and and Una Lawrence right like yeah. it's and everybody else is adults and it's a lot <laughs> a lot easier to kind of control uh a set when it's only two kids this one is primarily kids mm-hmm. um i you know i think i think he did a really good job i think again there's maybe a degree of which you kind of you see some of the choices he made with picking actors who, um, you know, are, are really cross a lot of a lot of boundaries that the original film uh, had, had trouble with. <laughs> um, and I wish that maybe there was more of a chance for them. Um, but it's an ensemble. And and again, it's, you know, it's kind of these decisions, one of the decisions that it's um, maybe... Uh, one that you could see that he wanted to maybe push a little bit further with but couldn't um so I I think he did the best he could with what he what he had and it's not to say that anybody was like bad um there were just there were varying degrees of success I thought ever Anderson was fantastic um she uh clearly inherited her mom's um capacity for uh like acting with her face yes yeah, so she's know- the daughter
0: She's the daughter of mila Jovovich, right and right uh, yes. paul ws anderson who you know are behind the resident evil movies most notably correct
2: so that, that's right yeah um and her her mom is an actress uh that i have i i <laughs> i don't know that i would ever say that she's been in a movie that i thought was like great um But I've always been impressed with Mila Jovovich. I mean, uh, I think she is. She's a lot like, and maybe this is. She's a she's a very physical actress, and I think people who utilize her well understand that. Um, And I think that's partially, you know, she's got she's had a lot of like, uh, you know, like martial arts training and and whatnot, (laughs) Um, but. She's got a very expressive face. And I know that that's not something you can train necessarily. So you just kind of got to be <laughs> born with the right muscles, right? Um, Whatever the case is, uh, Ever Anderson has definitely inherited those traits. I thought she did a really good job. The screenplay has to kind of have a level of simplicity to it. Um, But that didn't mean that any of her scenes felt like, bland or ham-fisted to me I thought there was always a degree of emotion she was able to put behind things um and I haven't, I haven't
0: watched I haven't watched any interviews with her I don't know I, I guess she they, it seems like you know uh, mioo jovich is basically American even though she was like you know born overseas like mostly raised here and yes her father's British so it's like maybe like that's I don't know if she speaks with a British accent but when I saw she was American I was like oh wow if she does if she doesn't necessarily speak with a British accent and, like she pulled it off pretty well uh which I'm always impressed with when like US kid actors to do an accent they don't mess it up um yeah when, when when you were when you were mentioning how like oh maybe other places weren't as served as much were you talking about the fact that like uh, the actress that plays Tiger Lily wasn't given a ton to do? Yeah, and, t- yeah. Tiger
2: Lily. Um, you know, I thought uh, seeing uh, Noah Matthews matofsky as one of the um, one of the Lost Boys um, was a really cool thing to see. Um, that he was he's the um, actor uh, with Down syndrome. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. Uh, and again, he like, he did a really good job for the 30 seconds that he was, you know, kind of given to do something. And that's a play. That's just what I mean, where it's like, maybe it's just really not that kind of film where there's not really enough time. Um, and yeah, probably to a degree, um, uh, the actress of Tiger Lily, um, uh, Alyssa Alyson. Wapanaduk, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, she did a really good job. She in, in almost in a way she was given a little bit too much because she was given just enough that I was like, damn, I wish she was in more of this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rather than just being like, Oh, there there's the actress playing tiger Lily. Like, um, yeah. So,
0: well, one thing, one thing i forgotten until I went back and at least read up on the, the, the plot summary of the first one, Joe was that uh, was that, like t- in, in that one, like Tinkerbell becomes like kind of jealous a little bit of like Peter's relationship with Wendy and just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Go, Basically goes like I don't know like like Woody and Toy Story on, on her and this like yeah. tries to like you know and tries to go after her like that and, and, and really tries to go after her multiple times. Here, Tickerbell is played by Yara Shahadi, maybe the most recognizable like face out of any young person in this movie, and like you know is 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 there and like serves the purpose with her magic, but doesn't really do a ton besides like give reaction shots aside from that. Like is it is it just a matter of, like you th- you think like did that did that even necessarily bother you that they didn't give her more to do or is it like Elijah says it's like, you know, I think they handle the story okay and it's like you know if you like try and fully service every single character, you're gonna have a two plus hour movie and who wants to like bring their kids to a two plus hour movie?
1: Yeah. I think she just didn't um I think she played her part. I think if they had been trying to put too much of Tinkerbell into this one, then it would have kind of felt um added on or tacked on like i don't think she was necessarily needed to further contribute to what the, they were trying to do with this one and um i think too like honestly like tinkerbell has become such a mascot for the company like if you look at like the, the public symbols of disney you have mickey mouse and then tinkerbell is probably in that top three top five is it, is it and so if you, you don't want to like you almost don't want to give too much to do so you can kind of still you know have that sort of veneer around the whole thing i would think but that's just me speculating
0: yeah that's a good point point. I you not really really <laughs> considered outside the, the the scope of the movie in that regard but like i guess there is a um maybe I don't know, maybe some other considerations um i i don't know oh, Elijah. Any, any other thoughts on tinkerbell i want to give you a chance to chime in if you want but like it, <laughs> it seems like it seems like she was more of like you know the plot device here but i guess like you said as long as they're spending their other time wisely i guess that's fine you know so
2: yeah, I, th- I thought she was good. I thought, you know, it's a <laughs> yeah. character who there's really there by design there's not a whole lot you can do with. And, and I'm very, very
0: important though. So I want to give you a chance to speak on her if you wanted to add anything, but there just wasn't no, a lot sure. to her here.
2: I just have to say I thought it was hilarious the amount of like bad faith criticism I saw online that was like she like her animation is so not realistic. I'm like Oh really? What are, what are we doing here? Are you worried about realism and Peter Pan <laughs> and Wendy? Like Wait, they said that about like Yara Shahadi as Tinkerbell. They were saying that yeah, like the that the animation, the CG body, you know, because they had to do a lot of like CG body morph for her to make her into a fairy. Oh, I didn't Um, even,
0: I didn't even necessarily. Honestly, didn't even occur to me. I was just like, I'm sure, I'm I'm like, I'm like, I, I didn't know there was. I mean, not that there's obviously not CG when you're making her look smaller. I just thought like, I don't know, they're putting her in like a a fairy costume and ma- ma- using whatever camera magic they got to do to make her look small. I didn't realize there was much more to it beyond that, you know, besides this resizing, you know, but
2: yeah. Nowadays we have the technology for stuff like, you know, in days past, right. You would mm. shoot that on a blue screen or a green screen and mm-hmm. you would then comp her and that's how you would minimize her. But it's actually more work to do that than it is to just do a CG body replacement and basically like photo map her face onto the head. <laughs> I,
0: I, I, wow. Um, I had no idea it's interesting i
2: I assume that they probably still did performance capture for hers you know so that they can use that as a reference Mm. but i based on what i i mean like it's not perfect
1: Mm.
2: but it's a fairy yeah
1: yeah i know i got you yeah it's like and if, if anything like just to speak to that criticism it's like i think the issue people have with these movies is that they're trying to go too realistic with some of this stuff you know it's like like let's just have some like whimsy like let's try to like Approximate some of the magic of the animation of some of this stuff, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Elijah, we didn't talk that much yet about like the the action in this movie either, and that's one thing I was like actually pretty impressed by. And I think it kind of stands out, like, when we're talking about like it's funny, we're talking about the CG and stuff like that, but I think you know, they actually kept it pretty grounded with a lot of the action, and uh, it's it it felt, I mean, it just, I guess, it it's funny like not everything has to be realistic but it just kind of stands out in comparison like other kinds of movies of this that involve like you know fights on ships and stuff uh it's like people are just like kind of fighting normally and then i think when i and i think in a way it really worked for me and that like you're you're kind of steeped in that and it makes something like you know wendy walking the plank and what ensues after that like like you know or i guess that's actually kind of before the fight really gets going but I, i mean i suppose like my, my point is like when you have like the thing with like Wendy walking the plank and then actually being able to utilize the magic and then uh, what happens to the ship eventually like, stuff like that almost pops a little more when like the fighting just feels a little more grounded. And I'm wondering like w- if you had any feelings on the action in this movie uh and just how 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 they did have that against the backdrop of something like whatever happens on the ship at the end or even like the massive cgi crocodile like how do you think they struck that balance with, with the action specifically with you know practical and reg, f- f- practical effects regular fights versus like hey we're going to like take it up a notch here with like what we do have in this budget
2: um yeah i mean i i would say i'm and i know i'm not the the fight correspondent right that's mm-hmm. that's, that's daniel a, That's you mm-hmm. daniel for Um I I think for me what maybe made it work the best was Mm -hmm. that it wasn't um not the best, but that it was the 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 way that it worked for me was that it wasn't really treated very different from anything else uh in the film. Mm -hmm. And there's a way that Lowry Mm -hmm. kind of has of blocking action. Um and I don't I don't just mean like combat action i just mean like action on the screen in general um he's a big he's a big fan of like wide angle mm. uh you know large compositions um you know kind of ensemble shots things like that um or uh no, i mean not ensemble shots not really not the best way to describe uh you know play setting shots you get a lot of these kind of wide Uh, low angle compositions of places Um, (laughs) and I think by sort of treating everything in the movie with that same kind of directorial vision Mm -hmm. uh, I think really works I think it makes everything seem sort of like larger than life in a way even when it's not necessarily any more crazy than anything else happening I, I think they're, the decision to kind of, uh, specifically with the, the low angle shots, I was a, a fan of, I want to make sure I'm using the right phrase for that. Hmm. Low angle shot. Yeah, it's it, they weren't extreme low angles, but they were low angles. Hmm. I think emphasize the perspective of a child. A low angle is when you have the camera kind of lower to the ground pointed up. Hmm. Um, and there weren't like, a, you know, it's we're not talking about like, Tarantino trunk shot, kind of low angle shot. But there was, uh, there, there's several shots um, that build, or that, that come directly, or that, that, you know, where the action kind of directly comes out of that perspective. Uh, and it felt very, very much like it was embracing the idea of like the perspective of a child, what a child would see, kind of looking up and around at the world rather than, down or having this crazy omniscient view um and also it 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 adds into not be particularly cutty um Mm. you know uh, lisa zenochirgin who did the the editing um she's kind this is sort of her thing i mean she did like i think she actually was i think she was nominated for an academy award for cider house rules Hmm. that's how long she's been uh in the industry um but uh that's that's what i mean of like she's she's an editor who in my opinion is known for for a sense of control and i think that really helps with action where it's easy to get carried away um and she's worked with Lowry on a few things. I think she worked with him on Pete's Dragon and The Old Man and the Gun, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Which are both movies that, again, have action that almost feels like it's just kind of part of the way the film works. Because it sort of is. It just sort of flows seamlessly. So
0: I'm not perceptive enough to necessarily catch all this stuff on my own. But when I, when, you, when I hear you say about like kind of shooting it in a way that makes it feel like it's actually from the perspective of a young person when so many people like, you know, involved in that final fight are, are little, little people. Like I, I, people are, 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 children. Then, you know, I, I actually, I, I, actually do think it actually worked now that I think back and look about, look at it from that perspective. Um, uh, Joe did you have any other uh, did you have anything you really particularly enjoyed from that uh, from that last act any any of the uh, any of the visual forces any of the action sequences anything that we didn't already touch on that you kind of wanted to highlight because it's I mean I don't really have a lot to add myself other than like oh it's really cool what they did to that ship or uh, I mean uh, I enjoyed seeing like when Wendy actually at the powers I'm wondering if anything if you had any other details you picked up on that you particularly enjoyed.
1: Um. I don't know when they were doing that ship fight and the ship was twirling the Peter Pan hook uh, combat specifically. Oh I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh Inception, like you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the rotating hallway. Um, this I, well, is
0: more... I, I I did see. Well, it's funny you honed in on that. I did see people make the point that like you know he did it in like a non fussy enough way that you like the whole the whole entire sequence that you actually like really the character moments really work in that part of it specifically. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I like how they um because. Like the the flying ship is such a big thing in the in the Disney in the original Disney version, mm-hmm. right? And I, I kind of like how they like sort of centered the action set piece on the ship already being airborne. You know, because if I remember correctly, like the ship doesn't go airborne during the final showdown between um, Peter Pan and Hook. But I could completely be misremembering that, and all the nineteen fifty three Peter Pan stands will be flooding the flooding mm-hmm. the comments of this podcast. Um, no, but. Um, specifically i really one thing i really appreciated from this movie is um that david lowry really plays with the shadows in the same way that the original disney one does mm. like they sort of lean into that and they do really interesting things with it they're specifically the um the the pan hook showdown in skull rock where uh peter's distracted by wendy and hook is literally able to manipulate peter's shadow to like yeah i totally it. forgot about that part of like
0: the shadow part of the everything yeah
1: I, I just, it, it, it actually caught me off guard in a fun way Mm-hmm. So I, I really really appreciated that aspect of it, and then um I kind of wish the uh, and like and maybe I'm forgetting because it's it's been a few mm-hmm. days since I've seen it, but I kind of wish we had gotten like one more bit with the crocodile like at the end at least in some <laughs> way because. <laughs> it's just such a big part of the original and it's so well done, but
0: he could have, um, he could have come in and rescued hook in the water or something. He could have made, he could have made nice. That would have been a fun choice. Right. Or right. when
1: Peter, or when Peter came back for him, right. Peter could have rescued him from the clutches of the, of the crocodile or something. But like all that said, I did, I did appreciate we got the homage shot too of, of hook standing on the alligator, uh, on the crocodile's open jaws and mm-hmm. they don't make too much of a thing about it, you know, either. So um, it, it's just, it's a moment that happens and then we move on. So, um, yeah i just i appreciated those little nods and they didn't they didn't go too much of hey look look at this thing we did we, we were recreating the thing like they didn't they, yeah they, they, they didn't really you know
0: it was on. it was homages without being too like you know without resorting to mimicry i feel you I, I feel you on that even though like again i as i've already said i don't remember most of the earlier movies that well but like i i how, how can you not remember hook on the crocodile you know and it's right. like but it's, they did it. They did it in a way that this felt like, you know, fun. Nice. That's cool. They did that. Um, yeah, and so I, I wasn't it. bothered by it or anything like that. Yeah. Elijah, I, I read your letterbox review. I know you, I know you really like the score. I don't know if you have much to add on that, but like were there certain ways in which you actually thought it like really kind of served the story well in a surprising way?
2: Um, no, not particularly. Yeah. I mean, I just, there were, there were some, there were just some parts that kind of slapped. Like, like <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know necessarily what I would expect. If, you know if anything else from from daniel hart uh the guy is one of the best working composers in my opinion i think the score for the green knight is one of the best scores of the last uh, of the 21st century <laughs> i think we've done a good job of not spoiling the green knight
0: but like getting joe sufficiently more motivated to like right. watch his sketchy dvd that he bought that's um
2: yeah i mean and to be clear the score for this movie is entirely different from the Green Knight score and, and which is entirely different from the score for a ghost story which Daniel Hart also did mm-hmm. um I think a lot of the stuff in this film maybe not intentionally felt in a way kind of like an audition for future Harry Potter work mm-hmm. um and I think Daniel Hart was kind of like channeling his inner uh John Williams for most of this movie. I saw and...
0: I saw you and Haley both make that Harry Potter comment in your letterbox reviews. Is that a thing that's been rumored? Or are you just like thinking that it's it, it just like it's just like ringing like that too much to you to like not be a thing?
2: Oh, well, I mean, I don't think Daniel Lauer, or Daniel. I don't think uh, David Lowry is in any way attached to Harry Potter, but they have uh, Warner Bros confirmed that they are planning to move forward with like a wizarding world TV show. I think there's some, some, yeah. yeah kind of I saw that.
0: I saw the reports that really necessarily sure. I was just like, you and Haley both made comments about, it. I was like, wait, they haven't been in talks with them. Have
2: they? Cause I sure hope not. You know? <laughs> Yeah. No, me personally. I hope not. Yes. But at the same time, like I, at this point, I'm not like, I'm not sure I would necessarily trust. Who, 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 are, who are you, like, to, who are you <laughs> to tell
0: David Lowry what to do?
2: <laughs> right exactly yeah that's it
0: so you know and also it's like you know he might get paid enough from doing like two more disney things in a tv show about harry potter that like you know he could fund his own green night that point you know so uh you know like, may, 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 let him get his bag. um uh joe anything else about uh peter pan and wendy we haven't already talked about that you want to touch on before you wrap
1: up um i don't even hold it against the movie but just i would have loved like an actual like sung version of you can fly because i mentioned at the top of the podcast i do think it's like an all-timer of a disney song and I was, and like they they did play the score like during the flight through london so like i you know like you know i again i'm not faulting anybody i'm just like i'm just like all right like you know i want i wanted to hear it but that's just that's just me like at you know a rolling stone show like screaming for the hits right when <laughs> I may not necessarily need to need to hear them or anything. So.
0: Are, are, are the songs that the, there's a is this a song that the pirates sing. Uh, at what point were they doing? that? Is that, is that, is that original or is that from the, uh, is that from the original or is, is that original for this movie? Or is that from the original movie? I think it's, I think it's original
1: for this movie. That, that was, and,
0: I, I, I feel bad cause I don't even actually remember the name of it, but it was actually really catchy. For yeah. That. And
1: then the, the lullaby was nice too. I thought, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I thought that was a good thing. Um, good but yeah it's like you know
0: you, you made the comment that it was like you know hour 46 but like all these disney plus movies have like 12 minutes of credits like this is this wasn't that much more than 90 minutes which i respect but like you know whenever but like at the same time it's like oh yeah maybe you could like you know give tiger lily like you know like more than a handful of lines or you know get a song in there for Joe and the, who's a, who's a dad that needs more songs to play for his kids. Um, once they're old enough to like, you know, make them listen to him all the time, they need to be good and they need to, you know, get, he just needs more options like that.
1: Um, Here was my arcade fire cover of baby mine. That's what was... <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: uh, Elijah, anything else about Peter Pan and Wendy that you wanted to shout out before we wrapped it up?
2: I think we've covered all of it, except one last guy. Alan Tudyk showing up for a little, uh, a little, little thankless little cameo. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's this.
0: Why couldn't he? Why couldn't he have at least played dress up with his kids while they're doing the Peter Pan stuff, so he can be like Steve the pirate again from dodgeball? You know, like why? Why why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, would that would that have been too much to ask? David Lowery, just a dodgeball reference in Peter Pan and Wendy.
2: Yeah, I just I think he's a criminally underappreciated actor in general. Uh, <laughs> he has an insane amount of range. The guy was in frickin' iRobot as Sunny, and in 310 to Yuma and then also in, you know, comedy stuff like A Knight's Tale, which I shouted out the last time I was on here. And I still don't know if you've watched yet, but
1: uh, no, I have not watched it yet. But like any it's a yeah,
2: or Tucker and Dale versus evil,
1: like mm-hmm. any he plays. Hey, hey, the chicken in Moana. amongst many other voice roles for disney animation but anyway (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i i do not have a lot to i do not have a ton to add myself that we didn't already talk about just that, like you know again i i i actually don't know that we again we we talked broadly about what judo did but like i don't think we talked specifically about that scene where he um where 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 he does kind of like bear a soul to wendy and i just think it's really really interesting that they like and i i really appreciate like david lowry deciding to go there until like generally like just like go make hook like possibly even more sympathetic than peter it's a it's an interesting choice and i think it's a bold choice and i just like really respect it it gave gave the movie a very different kind of feel um from honestly most of the other uh, most of the other ones of these movies where it's like you know they're they're so faithful that it's like you're not really getting anything new with any of the villains you know uh and i and i just i appreciate that even if it's like you know in it Like, and like you guys already said, like, it's, they go to some, they deal with some serious stuff and go to some dark places, but I know, I and even if I didn't think it was like a cool, fun hang, I never like questioned for a minute that you could just like show a kid this movie either. So I just think I, I, you know, I I talking with you guys about it, like, I honestly think made me like appreciate it more because like, I don't really have anything I would like, you know, like be that hard on it about. I just like, you know, it's just it's still maybe not like my favorite genre to re- revisit in this way and didn't like, you know, transport me in, in a quite the same way that Peach Dragon did. But like, it, I think it just executes really well and makes smart choices in a in a way that like a lot of these other like Disney live action slash uh, whatever you want to call Lion King remakes, like don't really, you know, don't really aspire to do. Um, but yeah, uh, Elijah, anything else you've been watching recently you would like to direct the listeners to or just anything personally you want to direct them to?
2: Yeah, I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't necessarily sure what I was going to I was going to mm-hmm. mention, but um, I think what I would like to to address is a is we're on the topic of Disney movies, specifically old ones. I want to I want to give a shout out to an old uh, forgotten classic that is also uh, derived from a, a folkloric character of which there have been many adaptations, most of them not successful. Uh, in my opinion, um, I want to shout out the 1973 Robin Hood Mm -hmm. uh, by Disney, which I think, personally, my opinion is unimpeachable. That movie is absolutely amazing. The music is phenomenal. The voice acting is so sweet. I know that the animation is kind of goofy and it's not the brightest period for Disney, but at the end of the day, I think it fits the kind of, like, downbeat kind of like country adaptation uh that they're going for um and so uh since we're on the topic of disney remakes disney don't touch this one just let it be i was original. gonna ask like it feels like the I, other I think they're trying it. to do it i yeah. really don't know anything about it but i god i hope they don't <laughs> um and, just, uh, it
0: feels like there's been even more stabs at that in the last like 20, 15 years. than there has been like some of these others. So it's like, maybe they want to stay away for longer, but maybe, maybe not if they find the, a filmmaker that's willing to tackle it, that they're happy to get in business with, you know? So uh, but that, that, that's a good one. Like, I, I know that's another one I've seen at some point, but just been a while. So maybe I need to revisit that and, you know, take advantage of uh the, of, of what the, the vault that Disney has to offer now on Disney plus, uh, Joe, anything else you've been watching recently that you would like to direct our listeners to? I mean, I know you're, you know, you know, like it's, we've really only been on like for one non-Oscar podcast since you became a dad for the second time. So I, I, I be, I don't blame me if you don't have much to recommend. But anything you have had time to watch recently?
1: Well, as I scroll through my letterbox here, I was going to mention real quick um, when Elijah was talking about Robin Hood and the possibility of a live action remake. I couldn't help but think of what John Favreau's photorealistic version of Robin. Is <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <might> like. <laughs> God! don't speak it into existence. <laughs> um. You know i especially
0: especially because like you know i mean like uh, i guess a, a, a wolf is like a hop skip and a jump from a fox and it's like is anyone going to do that better than uh pussy boots last wish did like you know like right. try and make us look at a photorealistic fox right after we just like had like the most in, like you know impressive looking wolf ever in that one you know so
1: um i'll say you know and i'm probably recommending something people have have seen already but if you haven't if you haven't gone on Hulu and watched Rye Lane yet you really should give it your time Um, Mm. it's just a charming little movie and you know caught me completely by surprise because I had knew nothing about it going in and just had a delightful time with it so um, really good character piece talking about relationships and all that good stuff so
0: that's a good recommendation I I was a little more mixed on it than I actually wanted to be but I'm not going to talk down about it now I think it's one that people should really because I enjoyed it I just like probably not as much as I quite wanted to based on what i saw the other reviews were but like that's it's still got a thumbs up for me and they're just like it, it, it's, it's a movie that really really shoots london in a fun way and uh has like it, it's some like great comedy and just a really like fun relationship movie um i'm gonna recommend blackberry i i saw it yesterday uh as I was telling Joe and Elijah before I was honestly was like almost in a more, you know, it's funny too. I told uh, Elijah and Joe, I it was my first time at an AMC since my AMC closed. And I drove like 30 something miles South. And like the first employee I saw when I walked into the AMC was like someone that worked at the West Palm one. And I'm like, why did you transfer to a movie theater, like 30 miles South? But this it's, it's nice to see a friendly face. That was very strange. Uh, But like, no, Blackberry was like a lot of fun. And you know, it's interesting in that like, Oh, there's like a lot of movies that have been, you know, about failed tech startups and TV shows and movies about failed tech startups in the last several years and like uh, recent years. And I'm, I mean, it's like for everyone not to be cynical about one and have it be as widely acclaimed as this movie has been uh, starring, you know, Glenn Howerton and Jay Baruchel is like the two founders of the, you know, the iconic uh, smartphone brand. Uh, just very inspired casting choice. Glenn Howerton completely brings it. And, Uh, Just like a great movie about like you know the the rise and fall of a company and what it means to like you know uh, whether or not you can just keep that fun startup tech culture but still like actually be successful and uh, and what the what the consequences of that look like when you actually do might maybe have to make that pivot towards profitability when a company might have a a fun ethos at its center but like you know can 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 things stay fun and I think it's interesting the way the movie looks at that while still like honestly or while still having to like honor this true story for the most part and keep it pretty true to life so yeah uh joe you mentioned your letterbox i mean I, uh, i i'm, I'm gonna st- i mean I, I don't pressure you to write on there because you write for a living though i mean if people do want to follow it and see you possibly get more into it where can they do that
1: oh yeah so letterbox i am the letter j parker morgan mm. uh yeah i i tend just just merely log but when i do write a review i try to make it briefly entertaining so yes
0: i i yes. Uh, elijah uh, elijah it's mr smith goes to fl on letterbox correct
2: Yes, the number two.
0: Yes, oh, two, right, correct. As usual, I'm Josh Shurnavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y, both uh, Letterboxd and Twitter, podcast emails, rionmoviepod at gmail.com, podcast uh, podcast Twitter's at rionmoviepod. I want to thank Joe and Elijah for joining me and thank all of you for listening. We will see you next time.